Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. Coming up on Episode 7, we explore birthing options for multiples. We talk to maternal fetal medicine specialist Associate Professor Craig Pennell about the types of twins that will require a cesarean delivery and those that can safely be delivered vaginally. Founder of Rockstar Birth magazine and Rockstar Birth Radio, Shalom Stone, explains why a birthing plan is important, even if everything doesn't go to plan. Hypnobirthing practitioner and doula Elise Jamison shares her experience of birthing breech fraternal twins and I'll tell you why my girls were delivered by a cesarean section. By the end of this episode, you'll be armed with all the information you'll need to make educated decisions about the birth of your babies. Birth. The topic can get as heated as bringing up politics, religion or vaccinations at a dinner party. There are many people who have incredibly strong opinions on the matter, oftentimes formed on the basis of misguided information. You've probably heard people say things along the lines of women have been giving birth to babies in the open fields for centuries and they always did fine. Well, they often didn't and the mortality rate was exceptionally high. However, pregnancy and birth has become incredibly medicalised and it's often difficult to find a middle ground. So whether you're someone who holds dear to your plans of a drug-free vaginal delivery or you surrender yourself to an attitude of going with the flow, it's important to be educated on the possibility that your ideal birth plans might need to be altered. Let's face it, many multiples wouldn't cope with the journey down the birth canal and without medical intervention, those precious babies wouldn't survive. On the other hand, if you have an uncomplicated multiple pregnancy and under the guidance of a team with experience in multiple births, Associate Professor Craig Pennell assures us that in most cases you can achieve a vaginal delivery. There are many factors that need to be considered in planning the most appropriate form of delivery for a twin pregnancy. The first thing that needs to be considered is the type of twins. For example, with monochorionic, monoamniotic twins, that is twins in a single sac where the cords are tangled, these are always delivered via caesarean section due to the enormous risks of cord entanglement and the health of the twins during the delivery. With monochorionic diamniotic twins, that is identical twins, the rate of caesarean section is higher and that is typically due to the complications that are more common in this type of twins. Whereas when you have dichorionic twins or non-identical twins, then it is much more likely that those pregnancies will go smoothly and you'll be a good candidate for vaginal delivery. So the first issue that needs to be considered is the type of twin pregnancy that you've got. The next factor that is critically important is the parity of the mother. If it's a mother's first pregnancy, then delivering a set of twins is technically more difficult than if a woman has had one or two vaginal deliveries before when they have a tested pelvis. The next thing that isn't always known at the start of pregnancy when this discussion often comes up is how the pregnancy will progress. 
So if you have a set of twins that are both growing very normally and you have reached 36 or 37 weeks gestation and you go into labour spontaneously, that is a very different situation to when you may have severe growth restriction in one of the twins or the mother may have severe preeclampsia or there may be another complication of the pregnancy such as twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So whether the pregnancy is going smoothly or not is the third factor. Once you've got all of those things considered, then the next series of factors that influence the decision about mode of delivery is gestation and the location. And by that I mean delivering a set of twins at 24 weeks is very different from delivering a set of twins at 37 weeks gestation and that factor will certainly come into play when the decisions are being made primarily because early on in twin gestations the fetal head is disproportionately larger than the fetal body and therefore delivering breaches in preterm babies can be technically more challenging. By location what I mean is where it is that you're going to deliver. So if you're delivering in a hospital that has specialists on site 24-7, then your delivery options are going to be different from if you're at a hospital where you would need to call in an anaesthetist, call in neonatal doctors, for example. So small peripheral hospitals may not feel confident doing vaginal deliveries of twin pregnancies. The factor that is the most important decision-making item is the presentation of the first twin. If the first twin is coming head first and the head is well down in the pelvis and well applied to the cervix, that is a very positive factor. If it is a breech or a baby's bottom that is presenting or if the baby is presenting in a transverse or oblique position, then a vaginal delivery becomes much more risky and much more dangerous. So to put all of this in perspective, if you are in, for example, the public hospital system of Australia or in the United Kingdom and you have an uncomplicated set of dichorionic diamniotic twins and the first baby is coming head first, then it would be the normal approach to consider a vaginal delivery in this set of twins. In other countries, there is certainly some variation. Similarly, in uh, the United Kingdom and Australia, if there was severe growth discordance where the first twin was small and the second twin was large and the mother was unwell, then in that situation it would be much more likely that you would have a caesarean section. So the advice that I give to my patients is that the discussion about mode of delivery should happen early on in pregnancy care such that you can explain to your obstetrician what your preferences are and then they can present to you the risks and benefits of each of the procedures and then as the pregnancy progresses and it becomes much clearer whether you are having an uncomplicated twin pregnancy or you are unfortunately having a series of challenges in your pregnancy, then you're not being rushed into decisions and you're much more informed. What everybody's afraid of is getting the first twin delivered and then having the second twin stuck. And certainly most obstetricians will have been exposed to a challenging set of twins during their career. 
The chance of caesarean section for a stuck second twin is approximately 1% to 2%. In terms of the challenges of delivering the second twin causing an adverse outcome such as asphyxia or lack of oxygen or death, both of these are actually uncommon. So issues with lack of oxygen temporarily occur in about 1% of second twins and the chance of death in a second twin is approximately 0.3% or 3 per thousand. So these are very small numbers but obviously very significant risks. The other factor that should be considered in terms of mode of delivery is the person who is delivering you. Now there are certainly obstetricians who um, themselves are very pro-vaginal delivery who have a great deal of experience in this type of delivery who may deliver one or two sets of twins per week and then there are other obstetricians who may deliver one set of twins per year. So the experience of your obstetrician is another factor to consider. Is it still possible to deliver the first twin from a breech position? So the issue with the first twin being breech is something called locked twins. So you can imagine if the first twin is coming bottom first and its head is flexed, so it's like a baby sitting up on the table, and then the second twin is coming head first, you can imagine how the second twin's head can become lower in the pelvis than the first twin's head. So as the first twin comes out, the twins get locked. And that situation is an enormous problem and needs to be dealt with in a very rapid caesarean section. And the likelihood of compromise in one or both of the twins is not insignificant. And so if the first twin is breech and the second twin is head first, then we would generally not deliver those twins vaginally outside of sometimes in very early gestations or in um, multiparous women who've had a number of babies before who present in well-established labour, for example, presenting at full dilatation. If both of the twins are breech, then it is certainly possible to do two breech deliveries. And similarly with triplets, if all three triplets are breech, you can do this. But certainly the more babies you add and the more babies in a breech position that you add, technically the challenges can go up. The easiest type of twins to deliver are twins where the first one is head first and the second one is head first. Unfortunately, once the first baby has come out, the second baby's position frequently changes. And in fact, one out of five second twins changes their position dramatically once the first twin is out, which is why it's always sensible to have an experienced person around with twins, even if they both look to be head first and therefore straightforwards to deliver you can end up in challenging situations where the second baby can be back down with the back over the cervix or an arm presenting and other things and an experienced person um, present can then safely deliver your twins vaginally. Most women enter pregnancy with kind of television views of pregnancy which is that it'll be easy to get pregnant and it will all be very exciting during the pregnancy and it'll be easy to deliver the babies and it will all be simple and straightforward and when it comes to mode of delivery they also often have preconceived views that may not in fact reflect reality 
So I think the earlier that you have these discussions with the person providing your care, the better. And the vast majority of the time, the advice that you will be given is going to be balanced and reflecting the evidence. But certainly there is a growing trend to more twins being delivered via caesarean section. Because whilst there aren't great large studies comparing vaginal delivery to caesarean section as the planned mode of delivery, the observational data that exists on probably you know 10,000 sets of twins does suggest that there are some risks with vaginal delivery and whilst these are small, they um, are essentially negated by having a caesarean section and planned caesarean section uh, with modern obstetric anaesthesia and good surgery gives the mother a very low risk of adverse outcome, which is less than 1%. The thing that's important for women and families to note is that for the vast majority of people, it is possible for them to get a second opinion. And it is better if this is done earlier rather than later in pregnancy, trying to get a second opinion at the last minute within days or weeks of your delivery or in fact in labour is not ideal. And I think if you enter a twin pregnancy informed, knowing the factors that are involved in the mode of delivery, the risks and benefits of the different options, then I think that your outcome in the short and long term will be much, much better. Well, let's talk a bit about the cesarean delivery. What do we need to know in preparation for that? So in terms of a planned cesarean section, you will always have the opportunity to meet your anaesthetist beforehand. Outside of severe emergencies, caesarean sections are now performed under regional anaesthesia, which means that you will have an epidural or a spinal and you'll be completely awake and able to talk to your partner and anaesthetist and surgeon during the delivery of your twins. From when the procedure starts until when the first twin is out is generally five to ten minutes. The intertwin interval is usually only a minute or two. And in terms of the operating theatre, it will usually appear quite chaotic, but it is in fact organised chaos. There will be a team of baby doctors for the first twin and a team of baby doctors and nurses for the second twin. And there are likely to be some extra nursing staff and anaesthetic staff there to help with the delivery. So it can appear like there are a lot of people, but they all have an important role. In terms of one option that is being explored by some women, which is maternal assisted caesarean section, this is relatively straightforward in a singleton pregnancy where a mother is essentially prepared for her caesarean in a normal manner, but her arms and hands are prepared with a surgical scrub and a gown and gloves such that when her baby is being delivered, as the head and body comes out, the mother can then place her hands around the baby's shoulders and do the last two-thirds of the delivery by herself. There are certainly some families that are exploring this in twin deliveries, The important thing to realise is that 
if the first baby is coming head first, then this procedure is certainly possible. But with regard to a breech delivery, these are technically challenging at both cesarean section and vaginal delivery. So it's not possible for a mother to bring her arms down and grab the baby's legs and effectively deliver that baby safely. With this process, however, there is certainly an increased risk of infection and that needs to be considered. One of the things that I do with my anaesthetic team and I'm sure is done widely is to try and get the babies back to the mother absolutely as soon as possible and try and get the first baby up on the mother's chest so they get skin-to-skin -skin contact straight away with the second baby doing very similar thing with the partner. And so in the situation where a caesarean section really is quite strongly recommended for specific reasons at the time, every effort can still be made to try and make this process as much of the delivery that you've wanted as possible. Hypnobirthing practitioner and birthing doula Elise Jamison did exactly what Associate Professor Pennell advises. She did her research and got a second opinion to find a birthing team she was happy with to deliver her non-identical twins. So for me, I was absolutely preparing for a vaginal birth of my babies, if everything was safe for me and them. But I soon found when I turned up to my hospital that in order to have that, there were a lot of protocols in place, things like having an epidural in place, for example, which I personally wasn't comfortable doing based on my own research. So I, you know, discussed that with the hospital that I was preparing to birth at and felt that for me, in the public system that I, you know, where you're kind of at the mercy of who is on, on the day. I didn't feel like it was the best option for me to stay in that system. So I ended up doing some more research and hiring a private ob who was happy and comfortable for me to birth without the epidural. And I also forward planned, thankfully, finding, you know, a, an obstetrician who was skilled in twin birth and he was also comfortable and skilled in breech birth, which worked out really, really well, considering that both of my babies ended up in the breech position at term. You know, after the birth, he said, you know, finding someone that's competent and confident. And unfortunately, breech birth for singletons as well as multiples, it's almost a lost uh, breech vaginal birth. So finding somebody who is skilled in it, whether it be a, a midwife or an obstetrician, is absolutely crucial. I wouldn't be going in willy-nilly or blind to a birth and expecting to have a vaginal breech birth without having a care team who were confident um, and skilled in that area. I was very comfortable with the team that I had, the birth um, professionals that I had around me. You know, I knew that there were two breech babies and there was not an inkling of pressure or anything put on me to birth them in any particular way. There was, you know, the first baby came out Frank breech, so he came out bum first really straightforward. I was, you know, up on all fours over the back of the bed and he came out and then 12 minutes later the next baby slipped out. He was he came out double footling with his arms over his head like Superman, I say. If I compare my two births, there were, you know, I had lots of people in the room from the twin birth, but it felt more calm and I guess safer and more quiet than in my singleton birth where it just seemed busy and people wanting to do things. For me, the biggest thing for my birth and why I feel it went so well is because it, I trusted everyone that was in the room. I was very comfortable with the care and had my obstetrician said, actually, Elise, we really need to, to get this baby out and wheel me off. I felt comfortable 
that that would have been, you know, for a true medical need. So I would have gladly been wheeled off to have the baby surgically if that was what was required. But for me, as I said, a really straightforward double breech vaginal birth, which is uncommon, but I'm very, very grateful that it panned out in that way. But yeah, no pressure after the first twin was out. He had delayed cord clamping and was put on my chest and we had a bit of a nuzzle and a bit of a snuggle before the, I started bearing down for the second twin, at which point it's a bit grey, but I'm pretty sure I handed that baby off to my husband while I concentrated on birthing the second baby. Now, Elise did have a birthing plan, and because she had already birthed a singleton, she knew there were certain standards she'd accept second time round. A birth plan was part of her preparations for the birth of her twins, but she also was realistic about the outcome. This same approach is advocated by the founder of Rockstar Birth magazine and Rockstar Birth Radio, Shalom Stone. When we talk about birth plan, there's a sense of definitiveness about that, as if you could write down your ideal birth wishes and that they would therefore then come true. And we all know that birth's not like that, right? There are untold twists and turns in every birth journey because it's a dance of two people. There's you and there's your baby and sometimes they decide how they want to be birthed. But there's an element, I think, of when you're creating a birth plan, what you are doing is putting some thought into how you would like your birth to unfold. And so it's not necessarily being prescriptive about I want this and then I want this and then I want this because that's not what birth's about. But it is putting some care and consideration and research into what your options are within your particular birth and pregnancy circumstances what is available to you, what feels right to you, how you would like it to unfold if it were to flow smoothly, but also to get into a position such that you could also say, this is how I would like it to unfold if it was not to flow smoothly. So for example, you might like for your babes to be born vaginally. And so you might consider in your birth plan, the type of interventions you would be happy with, uh, how mobile you would like to be, the type of monitoring you would like to have, the ability to get in and out of water, the positions you might like to get in, the level of interventions you would consider okay. And also then after your babies have been born, assuming that they're well, that first, you know, delayed cord clamping, skin to skin, all those types of things are considerations that I would certainly encourage every mother to have a think about and to research and to to research to a level that you feel comfortable, almost intuitively so. So it's not about reading every single book or every single paper or writing a 10-page birth plan. It's about getting to the point that you feel comfortable with where you're at. And that's going to be different for every individual mother and every individual pregnancy that each mother has. So I, I would really encourage women when they're pregnant to feel into their intuitive side as well. There is a knowing that comes with pregnancy. There is a, a heightened sense of intuition. And so I would certainly encourage you as you're crafting your birth plan and you're thinking about your options to, to really tap into what feels right for you. And so, for example, if you have a desire to birth your babes vaginally, I would absolutely have a think about how do you want it to feel? What do you want the room to look like? Who do you want to be present? How do you want to be supported? You know, some women choose not to have the word pain included in their birth plan. So they don't want anyone to come in the room and say to them, how, how's the pain, darling? 
can I get you something for the pain? Because they don't want to be reminded of the pain if they're working hard to work through their contractions or surges using other tools and techniques. So there are lots of different things you can put into your birth plan. And I would certainly encourage women to explore, as I said, the level and depth of content that they want to have in there. But I would also recommend having a look at alternate birth plans. So what are you going to do if your plan doesn't unfold as you expected and suddenly you're faced with a different birth scenario. So you had hoped to birth your babes vaginally and something has taken a left turn when you thought it was going to go right and now your team are talking about needing to do an unscheduled cesarean birth. Well, you need to, I would certainly encourage you to, have a plan for that. Instead of fearing that as an outcome and not wanting to put any attention to it for fear that you might actually manifest it, I would really encourage you to have a think about, no, I need to, I need to get comfortable with that option. Uh, I, need to, I need to sit with that and to feel my way into it to think, well, how would I want that birth plan to unfold? Would I be looking to have a some sort of gentle or family-centered cesarean birth? Would I be looking for the drape to be dropped if possible? Would I have a conversation about having a clear drape? Would I be looking for immediate skin-to-skin or delayed cord clamping, just as I might have wanted if I'd had a vaginal birth, all being well? You know, so there are lots of options. And I think that so many women, whether they're birthing singletons or multiple babies, and whether they're thinking about birthing vaginally or in cesarean births, just really don't understand or appreciate how many options you have because you are at the center of your birth and you will absolutely have a team of professional care providers around you, but they are there to guide you and to talk with you through your options, but you ultimately make the decision. And I think so many women, because we grow up in a culture where birth is not considered to be an empowered state or something to look forward to, we hand our power over. We we see the the midwives and the obstetricians as the experts and we just hand our power over and say to them, well, you just tell me what to do. And there are some situations where that might absolutely be required if it was an, you know, an incredible emergency, but most births, most births, not all, but they flow with a pattern. And there are so many points along that journey where you have choices and you have options and you have a voice in your birth. And coming back to what I said earlier about doing the right level of research for you along each of those stages in that journey means that you're much more likely to feel grounded and assertive and capable when you voice what it is that you want at this stage of your journey. And, you know, one of the first birth stories that I included in the Rockstar Birth magazine, and in every issue I've made sure to include a variety of birth stories. So there's a a home birth or a side of the road birth or there's a cesarean birth in every issue because so many women do give birth via cesarean and there is such a stigma associated with that for many women that their bodies either failed them or they weren't able to have the birth that they wanted. Yet if you had been in a position to create a cesarean birth plan that felt good to you and that you were able to socialize that with your care providers beforehand so that you knew that if it did go down that path, that you had a plan, that you had a voice, that you'd been heard. It puts such a spin um, on your experience. And in that first issue of the Rockstar Birth Magazine, I met with an incredible mum who had had two prior cesarean births and was pregnant with her third baby and really wanted a VBAC. 
She really wanted a vaginal birth after cesarean. She hired a private midwife. She was feeling really strong about her decision. But while she was doing the research associated with vaginal birth after cesarean, she heard about this thing called a maternal assisted cesarean. This was about three or four years ago. And she thought, whoa, what is that? Because she knew she was a candidate for having another cesarean birth. She knew that after two previous cesarean births, it was always going to be a possibility for her. So in conjunction with her VBAC plan, she also created a maternal assisted cesarean plan, which was really all about some of those things I mentioned earlier. The obstetrician birthed the baby's head, but then they lowered the drape They then encouraged, Kylie is her name, to reach down with her hands, which was sterile, and to gently put her fingers under her baby's arms and shoulders. And she just slowly, slowly, so gently just walked her baby out of her womb. And she lifted her up and put her on her chest and cried and cried and cried. And her baby stayed there and even weed on her while she was being stitched up. She wasn't removed. Her cord wasn't clamped. She was able to have that immediate connection with her baby, which she'd missed with the first two and really felt like she birthed her baby. She really did. And she did it on her terms. Now she had an incredible supportive obstetrician who was in the public system, but she met with and it just so happened that as she was nearing her due date and starting to get uncomfortable and the baby's position wasn't 100% perfect, he said, you know, if you want to do this today, I'm here, I'm on shift, we can do that maternal assisted caesarean. And, you know, three years later, it's the best experience of her life because she just felt so powerful in that moment and so respected and so heard And it all comes back to the fact that she did that research. She socialised. I mean, she'll tell you herself that she nagged and she hassled and she emailed the head of obstetricians and she emailed the head of anaesthetists and the head of midwifery at the hospital to say, this is what I want. And she didn't let go of what she believed was her birthright, which is to have a voice in that birth journey, however it unfolded. Whether you're carrying a single turn or multiple births, with 30 to 50% of women having a cesarean birth across the country, we all need to consider it as part of our plan. You know, we can't be the ostrich and put our head in the sand and think, oh, no, it's not me. I'm having a, a natural water birth with no drugs. Like you may absolutely have that, but there's also a really big percentage of women that aren't going to have that experience. And for me, it's it's less about the plan as in the dot points. And I always say to women, at a maximum, I would have 10 dot points in my plan, or I would consider one of the new visual birth plans that a lot of people are using, which use icons. And there's some great apps around. There's, there's an Australian app called My Birth Wishes and the Positive Birth Movement uh, founder Millie Hill recently wrote a book called The Positive Birth Book, and she has an excerpt in there of uh, icons that you can use to create a visual birth plan. But I would usually say a maximum of ten bullet points or visuals that you want for people. It's it's not about creating a story or a, you know a novel around why you want all of these things. You've got to appreciate that the people that are coming and it may be a change of staff, it may be people you haven't worked with before that are going to be part of your birthing team on the day, they need to be able to quickly scan what you've put in front of them and go, right, got it. So being, you know, prioritizing those things that are most important to you as opposed to everything you want, I think can really help you to hone in on what it is you want and crafting one of those for your ideal birth plan and one for your 
alternate birth plan is really, really important. There were no birthing plans or, in fact, any expectations for the birth of my twins. You see, the idea that I was actually having twins was still sinking in when it was discovered there were serious complications in the pregnancy. The intrauterine growth restriction diagnosis meant that the girls wouldn't survive a vaginal delivery and it was very clear they would be born prematurely. So at 28 weeks gestation, when the sonographer informed us that it was time to deliver the girls, I had no idea what would unfold. It turned out the girls and I didn't cope very well with the epidural and there were times when I remember feeling like my heart was stopping and I was about to simply drift away. Also, I could tell there were significant concerns for my smaller twin, Asha, with her vital signs dropping. Eventually, we were stabilised and I was wheeled into the operating theatre to be met by what seemed like such a large number of people. Of course, they all had their role to play in saving these tiny babies I was about to deliver. I could feel the pressure of the scalpel and I was trying so hard to be strong for what lay ahead. It was a complicated delivery. When twin one's sack was ruptured to get her out first, twin two's sack also burst due to some kind of fusion between them. I still really don't understand what it was. The girls weren't well enough for me to hold and one by one they were held up for me to see. Bella was a dark purple colour, which really shocked me even more so than her size. And Asha, she was so tiny. They were quickly whisked away by the neonatal intensive care team. The girls had barely left the room when I could tell there was something wrong. I could feel everything. The small amount of epidural that got me through the birth had worn off. Then, everything went black. I woke up shivering and had no idea where I was. I couldn't stop my teeth from chattering and I felt an extreme sense of anxiety. I drifted in and out of consciousness for the next hour or so and eventually was wheeled back to my hospital room. It wasn't until later that night that I could get down to the NICU to see the girls. My birth story isn't ideal, however it saved my girls' lives. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 7 of Double Happiness Multiplied. If you want more information on positive birth plans, head over to Rockstar Birth Magazine or Rockstar Birth Radio or Elise Jamison's Soma Birth website. Coming up on Episode 8, we talk with consultant neonatologist Dr Patricia Woods from King Edward Memorial Hospital in Western Australia about what to expect when you have babies in the NICU. Mum of quadruplets Janelle Snadden walks us through her NICU journey and I'll share my NICU story with you. And I'll read a moving letter from a micro-premie mum written to other parents of premature babies. Until next time, I wish you double happiness multiplied. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.